This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> And welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay and a little bit phlegmy. I'm sick today, so it's not Harvey Firestein hosting. It's me, Patrick Walsh. And tonight, finally, it is the long-delayed, highly inappropriate holiday special. Yeah, we missed the Christmas season, but hey, it's some kind of holiday now, isn't it? Yes, and that is when I take a break from horror movies and instead... Talk about one of my favorite films that does not fit the category of the show. It is a movie inappropriate for the podcast and for the holiday season, and that movie this time is a movie that has almost been forgotten. It is an animated feature from 1983, produced by George Lucas, called Twice Upon a Time. And before we go any further, please allow me to introduce myself. Hello, my name is Patrick Walsh. Twice a month, every month, I am your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But you have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. Of course, this being the highly inappropriate holiday special, we are deviating from the norm. Whose norm? I don't know. I don't know. As is tradition with the highly inappropriate holiday special, this is another episode that has almost killed me in editing. There's a lot of history behind this movie and to why it has disappeared over time. And it turned out that almost all the backstory that I and my guest Stephen Wagner had was wrong. Which I found out, of course, after we recorded the episode. So I have to do major, major rehauls and try to make it as entertaining as possible for you. And I think I have succeeded, but it has taken an incredible amount of time. I have had to go over this with a fine-tooth comb. And, okay, the movie is called Twice Upon a Time. Now, take the initials of that. T-U-A-T. It spells twat. With a U, but it spells twat. So I have spent, like... Days and days, possibly weeks. I don't even know how long I've been working on this damn thing. With these files called old twat, new twat, chat, twat, chat, twat outtakes, twat intakes. It's just like this. But I've been so up to my neck in twat, I can't even deal with it anymore. So for this episode, it's just going to be that. We're just going to keep it minimal here at the beginning. We're going to have some minimal stuff at the end because really, episode two... 152 has got all the twat you will ever need. So enough of my rambling. Let's just get on with the phone. We're going to bring on Doug Shapiro and new guest Steven Wagner. And we are going to talk about Twice Upon a Time. But first, let's take a listen to the trailer. Oh, what wackiness you are in store for. Once upon a time, there were heroes. Some heroes, huh? And villains. I'm a genius. And damsels in distress. Actual distress! And all-purpose animals. Nightmare bombs. Anyway, here is the clock. Cosmic clocks. Am I moving too fast for you? Foul-mouthed fairies. What did you expect, the Avon lady? Lava lap galleries. Stretched cat 
It's distressing, isn't it? Berserk Office Supplies. Harry <laughs> TVs. Rescue Man. He is wearing red trunks and a red cape. Ratatouille. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll save you. Whoa. No. You're fired. No, this oh. could only happen twice upon a time. Now, Academy Award winner John Corti and Lucasfilm Limited take you to a place so far out you'll never, never land. Distressed damsels are my meat and potatoes. I'll help. San Luis Carly on fire. I'll help. Time for more nightmares. My God, it's a nightmare. What's a nightmare? <laughs> Oh, the shy type. Sleeker, more fuel-efficient, sharper, louder, harder, scarier. Nightmares. Don't touch me there. I'm the only one who can touch her there. I even have muscular lips. Get away, you stupid sick maniac. How can you stop time? Easy. Listen to the simplicity of the perfect plan. The spirit of adventure is inspiring. Time! Now's the time to strike. Get out of the way, stupid idiot! Yeah. All right, I'm wearing rubber underwear. You are not a Jedi yet. It is a nice to mess with fairy godmothers. The tallest tale you could never possibly imagine is coming at you. Ah, uh, thank you. And it can only happen twice upon a time. So, as it is tradition here on Scream Queens, by the time the holidays roll around, I'm sick of them. I'm sick of festivities, I'm sick of fun, I'm sick of families, and I'm sick of festooning. Especially festooning. And also, I'm burned out on horror movies. Just, I'm, I still haven't recovered from October. So, as is tradition, I'm bringing you the annual highly inappropriate holiday special. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an announcement. Tradine is unable to join us for this holiday party, but that has left Doug Shapiro stag to the holiday ball. But fortunately, I'm here to play matchmaker. I've got the perfect date for this already married man for this party. So without any further ado, let's bring him on. He's the man, the myth, the legend. He's everybody's favorite Frady cat. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mr. Doug Shapiro. Tray that I've missed. Nobody knows but Trey D. Mm-hmm. It's so sad and at the holidays, too. So I tragic. get so lonely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, how are you, Doug? I'm doing well. Only a new shiny friend could help me get over it. So, you're back from your what was it called now? The esoteric, not the esoteric cafe. <laughs> you know, I like that better. It was Connie's avant-garde restaurant, a snowball's chance in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh-huh. Where people paid cash money to have salad thrown at them by Doug Shapiro while wearing a bumblebee costume and severing deer antlers. Yeah, you're welcome. Because theater. <laughs> because theater. Can we just eat? There were so many moments. The <laughs> there were so many moments during like I'm standing there, I'm slicing fruit as if it's my heart standing only in leopard print underwear and a kimono going four years at Syracuse University. Four years. At least it's not Mamma Mia. <laughs> 
Oh, it was good. Okay. It was nuts. I loved it. That's nice, dear. That's nice. We're all very proud of you, Bubby. We're very Thanks. proud. But we have another guest waiting in the wings here because Doug was actually very concerned, as was Trey, because as a tradition here on the highly inappropriate holiday special, we talk about one of my favorite movies that doesn't fit the pattern for the show normally. So it's usually a movie that's kind of rare, kind of hard to find, like the first Nudie Musical, which they love. I showed them this one. They both went, what is this? Now you're starting to sound like one of the characters. I know. What? I really, I know. Well, you know, I've got, I've got, I've got you and I got the other guests. This is, I needed, I needed another person on my side who gets this movie. So this is a gentleman who I've done theater with in uh, Long Island back in the day, still doing stuff out. Not only was he a Christmas present himself, he was the ghost of Christmas present at Theater Three's Christmas Carol. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, put your hands together for Stephen Wagner. Steven, Doug, put part of three seconds of silence. <laughs> I got excited. Theater three. I did this. I did Chris's Carol there too. I played ignorance. Oh, so you know Jeff? Yes. I love to meet some Jeff Sanzel. Jeff married my cousin. We're related now. What a great idea. Well, Jeff is divorced from your cousin. <laughs> is he? Well, yes. he can go fuck a duck then. <laughs> your cousin's a duck? He can go festoon his asshole. <laughs> I love him. I just so, donated money when uh, when they flooded. I, I will I will tell him that you did so. He wrote me a thank you note already. This ah. is how connected we are. You're like my brother already. There you go. Did the exact same show? Still? I don't know. I love them. I was asking. I was asking the person who just did it, Doug. <laughs> no, he, he he changes it a little bit every year. Um, so depending on depending on the time frame between when you see it one time and when you see it the next time. It may be only, you know, two or three lines here or there, or it may be more than that. Ah, uh, I see. I see. Yours had more sex and violence, probably. No. <laughs> Marcy being with an Uzi. <laughs> Innocence working a street corner. <laughs> hey, Penny a hump. Hey, Penny a hump. <laughs> Look, I was in sixth grade when I, when I played Ignorance. I'd love to go back at 40 and be like, uh, I'm still under the robe. What? The one as big as me? Ten cents to dance. Yeah, we, oh, okay. we, we either need smaller wants or bigger turkeys. <laughs> you know, that sounds like it would be a line in this movie. <laughs> oh, I need smaller wants. I, I, saw, I, saw that, I saw that in needlepoint on a pillow somewhere. <laughs> but either way, the turkeys can fly, so don't throw them out of a helicopter. Anyway, so the movie that we are talking about is a little... Is W. Caribbean Cincinnati. Wasn't that the helicopter reference? Yes, we're past yeah, that. Now. That was the helicopter reference, but we, we Patrick and I let it go. So. <laughs> Sorry, Elsa. Oh, we're going to have to go all <laughs> Bon Jovi on his ass. We have to go East Meadow on his ass. That's what <laughs> you shut your fucking mouth, Shapiro. I'll rip your fucking dick off or I'll shove it down your fucking throat. Oh, Bon Jovi. Hey. <laughs> Possibly. Okay, let's get the, together. The movie that we were talking about is a little ditty from 1983 called Twice Upon a Time, produced by George Lucas. And it is a movie that uh, film historians consider lost in time. It's kind of hard to talk about because just trying to juggle which version of the movie everybody got was very confusing. I had to make sure everyone got the right version, which was the wrong version. Because there are three versions. Uh, Stephen, would you try to explain some of the kerfuffle, the mishigash? 
Okay, well, why there's so many versions of this movie. Well, apparently what happened, I, I don't know how the HBO version came about uh, because they originally uh, recorded the voice dialogue for this because it is an animated film. Mm-hmm. Uh, they recorded the voice dialogue with these voice actors uh, who are uh, very improv actors, and it was completely clean. And then uh, one of the producers invited them back to make a slightly more adult version, uh, which is the second version that most people have heard of. But then there's a version that's in between those two as far as amount of profanity goes that was shown on HBO, I think, about twice. (laughs) This part I got. Hello, this is Patrick from the future. I'm going to be interrupting every now and then because, as I mentioned earlier, after we recorded this segment, it turned out everything that we learned uh, or thought we knew about the legal battle that had ensued, that buried this movie for so long was absolutely wrong. So I'm about to spew a whole back of, a, a whole pack of lies is what I'm trying to say. I'm cutting out most of it. I'm leaving some of it in for character, but just know everything I'm saying right now is mostly a lie. Thank you. Just know that the tale that I'm spewing now about backbiting, studio infighting, personality conflicts, and legal huffle buffle is mostly wrong. It's much more complicated than what actually happened. This 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 the event that caused this movie to disappear, I'm going to herefore refer to as the Mishigosh. The Mishigosh that made the movie disappear. The actual cause of the Mishigosh will be revealed at the end of the segment, but until then, don't believe a word anybody says. What happened was, it was, it was slated to run on HBO. Whoever had the directorial rights at that point, somebody walked away from the project. There were two people in, in charge of it. I forget uh, who was who, and it was um, John Carney and uh, Charles Swenson. I don't, I believe it's Corny, who's the pain in the ass on this. Yeah, uh, you are correct. Swenson walked away, and Corny didn't like anything that Swenson had done with the final project. So he packaged up this nice little, nice little cute little G-rated family movie, gave it to HBO to run. They ran it once in the morning. It was the wrong version. It was the PG-13 version with, with the hardest language. He got on the phone with his lawyers. The lawyers got on the phone with HBO, gave him a cease and desist, effective immediately that they had to play um, the correct version when it was due to play again, you know, three times that day, later on that day. However, the second time that day, they still played the wrong version. They played this PG-rated version. And if you perhaps were not gifted a VCR for your high school graduation and, you know, you might have just been testing out how the timer worked that particular morning and you just taped whatever was on HBO to see what would work – there would be no copies of these movies. But uh, yeah, apparently I have the only copy <laughs> of this PG version because they don't even acknowledge it in IMDb and any of the uh, uh, articles that we were looking at. I had a very similar experience. Um, I had seen it earlier in the day, uh, just as I was flipping through channels, and that I purposely went to my handy dandy TV guide because it was 1983. <laughs> <laughs> And found out when it was on later and actually purposely set up the VCR to tape it. Because Stephen Wagner knows a quality film when he sees it. And I was watching right. none of these. I was with Wishes Night Out. <laughs> watching that as many times as I could. Ah, uh, yes. Well, that is another delightful thing. But that's also out of seasons. <laughs> um, so I, I don't remember exactly which quote it was. Um, oh, I oh I do. Please continue. But, but <laughs> Patrick and I were walking down the street in Manhattan one day, and 
We're just, you know, we're having a normal conversation. Um, making well, fun. for us, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we were clearly making fun of some people. Because um, <laughs> that's what we were doing that whole day. Just two particular people. Um, and he just lays out a quote from this movie. And I turned to him and I said, how do you know that movie? And he looked at me and says, how do you know that movie? <laughs> and then we made out. No, that part totally didn't happen. Totally made out. No, I remember exactly where it was. It was in front of the Atlas Flop Hotel. <laughs> And somebody was talking, somebody said something about what a strange name for a flop house. I said, well, actually, every, person, every piece of furniture in there is also <laughs> been designed as a piece of exercise equipment. Everything here is designed not only as an article of furniture, but as a piece of exercise equipment. And you went, how the fuck do you know that movie? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, know what you're talking about. That's a, that's a quote that really couldn't come from anywhere else. <laughs> no, no. And, and then, like, for the rest of the evening, the rest of the group was completely baffled. Like, we were off on our own land. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we, know we were completely, you know, we were physically, we we're with this group, mentally, a thousand miles away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Theater people with an inside joke that's only funny to the two of them. No, no never heard of this. No, you don't no. understand. No, you don't understand. It was like finding family that you didn't know that you had. <laughs> oh, no, I lost my mind because nobody had ever seen this movie. Right. <laughs> right. And you start to think, well, maybe I hallucinated it. Because, well, because you taped it. But <laughs> if you hadn't taped it, you'd be like, I, I, I must have hallucinated like the only it. Pre- the only people I ever knew that, that, that had seen this movie were people that I showed my copy to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They showed you what to? Doug, Douglas Mary Elizabeth Shapiro. I, I was clarifying that. On the day after Jesus' birthday, for the love of God, he's still got afterbirth on him and you're talking like that. God almighty. He's a guy that grew up into a carpenter, right? Karen, yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, I have to listen to that album and cry. Uh-huh. She died for your sins. I forgot to do the carpenter died for my sins. Well, you saw it yesterday. She's on my wall. You took the bread and you ate it. You didn't give it. <laughs> We're going to hell. Okay, so before we go any further, we have not there yet. far ahead of ourselves because, Stephen, we have a little game that we play on the show and to help introduce the listeners to what we're talking about. Stephen Wagner, I need you to give me your best 30-second Elevator speech, back of the DVD cover, plot summary of Twice Upon a Time. The clock starts now. Okay, well, this, this charming movie, which has, has, a, has a lovely animation style that we haven't seen really anywhere else. Uh, the story about green sleeves and the big men of imagination who deliver sweet dreams from Sunny Frivoli. Alternatively, nightmares come from the mysterious Merkworks run by synonymous Botch, who wants the people of the world, known in the universe as the Rushers of Din, to have nonstop night. Well done. Well done. Almost expecting you to just do the introduction monologue. I, I really just should have. I really... There are these people called the Rushers of Din. I'm probably playing it right now. And since there is no way to possibly convey the basic plot of Twice Upon a Time better than the opening monologue of the movie did. That's just what Patrick from the future, I'ma do. Once upon a time, there were some people called the Rushers of Din. Every night as they slept, sweet dreams were delivered to them from sunny frivoli, and nightmares came from the mysterious Merkworks. 
But the villain of the Dark Castle was not content. He wanted the rushers to have non-stop nightmares. And for that, he needed control of the Cosmic Clock. It was a time of desperate need for heroes. Any kind of heroes. And our heroes are Ralph the All-Purpose Animal and his friend Mumford the No-Purpose Nothing. Now, Ralph is an animal. Well, he's just this generic animal who could change into any animal, while Mumford is a silent character, kind of like a, a, a Harpo Marx sort of physical comedy, that sort of a thing, kind of a character. Now, they live in Frivoli and they work in Frivoli, but they're not really in with the Frivoli game because Frivoli is kind of like the Lego movie where everything is awesome and everyone's happy all the time and they're just making sweet dreams, and they're not happy all the time. They're kind of cranky and they think everything's stupid. And they get into trouble for that. They cause accidents. They kind of get outcast. And they're just trying to win their way back in. They're thinking maybe we could do that be being some kind of a hero. Then we find out that, um, well, the little figment who delivered the, rush, uh, delivered the sweet dreams to the people of Frivoli are being kidnapped, as is their leader, Greensleeves. And they figure, hey, maybe we can rescue Greensleeves and save the day. However, the villain, Synonymous Botch, winds up using them Sending them off on this journey that they think is going to help Green Sleeves and the Figment of Imagination, but is in fact helping Synonymous Botch plant the nightmare bombs that will make nightmares forever for everybody. Will our heroes win? Will evil be conquered? Will Patrick wear pants today? I don't know. I don't know. Patrick from the future has limited knowledge, but that's the basic plot of Twice My Time. Back to the interview. But it's really not about the story at all. <laughs> It's about these fucking amazing improv actors. It really is. Tearing up the script and animators going bananas. And I realized, Doug, why you and Trey might not have identified with it as much. You weren't gamers, were you? No. Yeah, if you haven't played a Lucasfilm game, like Lucas games, like... Uh, Sam and Max. Sam and Max or <laughs> Maniac Mansion or Day of the Tentacle, you might not adapt easily to this kind of humor. And in fact, Patrick from the Future is going to double down on this one because I want you to picture Doug Shapiro as a youth playing Maniac Mansion. I want you to picture Doug Shapiro playing a game in which in order to win the game, you had to microwave a hamster alive, blow it up, and then give it to somebody as a gift. Picture him doing that. It would never happen. He couldn't do that. He couldn't ride the cone of ennui. He wouldn't know what to do. A whole pile of snuckies crap. He wouldn't know what to do. And, but you know what? But he would not. Microwave that hamster, and there the game would end. They would just sit there in that hallway for eternity, waiting, waiting, waiting. So if you can't, if, if you're not the kind of person who can microwave a video game hamster and find that funny, then maybe this movie isn't for you. But then again, you're horror people and you love that sort of thing, so maybe it is for you. Who knows? Only you can decide. No, I, I don't play games, Patrick. <laughs> Get to the part with the fairy, then I could do my thing. I know. Once the Jew arrived, I knew what to do. <laughs> I had something to hold on to. It was Borschfeld. Well, you just got to flap your wings and be cranky. <laughs> Welcome to my life, Patrick. Yes. <laughs> but I do love me some animation. And I knew I was recognizing some of the voices. And they've worked in, um, like, they've done some of my favorite ones. Like, I, I knew, I, when I heard Ralph, am I jumping ahead too quickly? Ralph, the all-purpose animal? Yes. So when I heard Ralph, I'm like, I know that voice. I know that voice. He was Garfield. Yes. I was telling you last night that he was Carlton, your doorman, and you were looking at me like my head fell off. I should have just said Garfield. <laughs> right. Because your husband was like, Rhoda. 
Rhoda. Yeah. Rhoda. Doug's like, why are you calling me Rhoda? My name's Doug. <laughs> My first roommate, Rhoda? <laughs> I will say that he is uh, the most well-known of the voice actors. Yeah. But a lot of them worked on Garfield. Uh-huh. There are a few, a lot of them were, they were, they also worked on something that you guys might know better than I, THX 1138, that kept coming up. Yes, that's a George Lucas movie, uh, oh. pre-Star Wars, and it's what they named that sound system after that they used in the theaters. Aha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he got a lot of the people from there, and uh, yeah, what was it? One of them is even in This Is Spinal Tap. One of them, one of them is both Greedy and Harmony Smurf. <laughs> oh, Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it was. Great I watched sleep. the Smurfs all the time. Uh huh. Of course you did, and you were frightened. Look, my my first. They're so small and blue. Eh? <laughs> my first time, I know, because I can't sit hard. They'll stain. How can they? How can they? White and blue grass scared. all the time. Well, the like uh, in between, like when Smurfs was on Saturday morning cartoons, in between then and when they became popular again with the strange live action movie things. Yeah. Um, it was the, the first time that I'd ever been mad at someone for being young and not knowing my reference. There's got to be a first time for each of us. And I was on the big band tour, and one of the young ladies who was playing one of the Andrews sisters, I mentioned the Smurf. She goes, what's a Smurf? And I actually felt rage. I actually had to walk away. She's like, dead what, now. What, what you, what, I killed her. You smurfed her right in the Smurf. That's what you did. <laughs> I, had a, I had a similar experience that about eight years ago at the theater, we were rehearsing something and came up that, that they, these children didn't know who the Marx Brothers were. Oh, don't get... It's not that they weren't, you know, it's not like, I don't know who they are, but I'm familiar with their work. No, they had no idea who they were. Don't get me started on the kids today. (laughs) Someone didn't know Barbara Streisand. And let me guess guess what they followed it up with. I don't know who that is. (laughs) With the tone of, I really don't care who that is. Please don't tell me. I don't care. Oh my God, I'm so bored. I mean, admittedly, they were before our time as well, but like I'm familiar with them. Uh huh. <laughs> I've seen their some of their films. I dated a few of them. <laughs> you dated Margaret Dumont. Oh, she was so strong and decisive. <laughs> I dated Shemp. He was one of them, right? No, no, no. <laughs> Shemp mocks. They were from Freeport, you know. Oh, back to Long Island. Very nice. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Of course they were. There were quality, quality Jewish comedians. All the best Jewish comedians got from Long Island. The uh, the theater I just performed in in Cleveland, they had um, a painting on the ceiling. I'm, I'm of, pointing. Of Debbie Gibson. Of <laughs> Debbie Gibson. <laughs> they had like a relief of the Marx Brothers because it was an old time vaudeville house, and apparently the Marx Brothers played there. Oh. So so you so you got to like anoint yourself with grapefruit juice in your groinal area under the relief of the Mox Brothers. <laughs> uh, via my face, I squeezed it on my face and it ran down to my groinal area because theater. Anyway, twice upon a time. <laughs> oh, let's stay on this for a while. <laughs> uh. The first ten minutes of this movie is trash. <laughs> I always warn people, I'm like the first, you gotta get to the first ten minutes. It's not trash, but it's just that's really when it's just like, what are we watching? It's a, a a bunch of setup, and you know, with with two or three good lines in there for the for, for about the first ten minutes, and a full Lawrence Welk number. Well, yeah. 
it doesn't really it doesn't really take off until we get to the courtroom scene. But what was cool about the very beginning is the like the change of music. It like as like at the very very start, there's like unsettling sort of horror movie music. Like yes. different time signatures, and then it like jumps into Bond. James Bond, and then jumps into John Williams, and then like the 1940 like narrator, and then becomes an 80s Bruce Hornsby, (laughs) right? An 80s theme song. It was indeed Bruce Hornsby, and we'll come back to that. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's a (laughs) that's an Easter egg for later. Yeah, so we start off at the Merc Works, which is where the nightmares are made, and it seems to be just another night. Synonymous botch is giving his crew. The pep talk, but no, it's not just any night. The, the worst pep talk ever. I just want to say a few words to you minions before you go off on your mission. I know some of you have wives and sweethearts and all that malarkey. There's a good chance some of you won't be coming back. I can deal with that. And for those of you who are going to pay with everything you have, rest assured, the world is going to be a little bit worse because of you. So let's get out there and give it to them. It's better in my version. Well, again, it depends which version you have. Yeah. I didn't like. I really don't like Botch in this version at all. He's too mean. I agree. Uh, in the version, he's a little bit softer. But, you know, Doug doesn't know anything else. That's just what he did. It, well, I've seen two versions. I saw PG and I saw PG-13. So you still – you saw the – Patrick, you showed him your copy? Uh, yeah. No. No, no, no. We, we saw oh, the yeah, I did, I did, yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Because I had it burned to DVD and I sent him a copy via Dropbox. Okay. Yes. I know some of you have wipes and sweethearts and all that malarkey. <laughs> Yes. Some of you won't be returning, and I can deal with that. <laughs> exactly. Get ready! Make the world safe for nightmares! Take a quick tour over to Frivoli, which is just the absolute opposite. Just bright and sunny. Sunny Frivoli! Sunny frivoly! Bright frivoly! Oh. Bright frivoly! Awful, 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 awful. Everybody's singing all the time. It's kind of the, uh, um, everything is awesome. It kind oh, of, it's yeah, it, I it, loved it, everything is awesome. And I'm not sure why there were Dutch women there, but there were. What do you dream about? Because <laughs> the are easier to draw is you, my you, you know, you don't have a good clog dancing in your dream at any point? Nothing? Some toaster strudel? <laughs> It's just Dutch women and cowboys. I really don't understand anything. <laughs> and cows being milked for dreams. But yes, uh, you know, we learned that the dreams are sent to uh, this guy, Greensleeves, who's in charge of the figment of imagination of these little purple blobs, and they deliver the fairy dust that gives you your sweet dreams. Sweet dreams arriving. Come and get of me hearties. <laughs> sweet sparkling dreams, fresh from frivolity. Soak them up, boys! Soak them up! <laughs> Move out, you silly! But watch out for those vultures! Don't carry! <laughs> ah. 
such a night, such a night. And this was when I saw it the first time, my ear turned. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly it's, what you're going to say. Because he's, he's, watching, he's watching the figs go off of their nightly run. He goes, ah, such a night. Oh, here he goes, ah, little figs. Happy as rats they are. Foolish little figs. Happy as rats they are. They tap dance not, neither do they fart. They tap dance not, neither do they fart. Yes. <laughs> I said, what? Oh. What did he just say? Did you say oh. they tap dance not, neither do they fart? <laughs> yeah, that's the point where even if you're not really paying attention to what's on the screen, at that point, your attention oh. snaps to the screen. <laughs> uh -huh, and, then it, and then it cuts to Maureen, what's her name? Like, nothing happened. What's her name? That, that 70s, she does all the music in this, that 70s woman who's <laughs> Marilyn McCoo. It was Marilyn McCoo. No, it wasn't Marilyn McCoo. I'm pretty sure it was Marilyn McCoo. Not Maureen McCormick. That's no, Marsha Brady. No, no. Very much not Maureen McCormick. And not Maureen McGovern. Uh, it might be McGovern. I think really? it's Maureen McGovern. It's uh, Maureen McDonald. McDonald. Okay, yeah. But this particular night, all the figs are being, uh, not only are their, their deliveries being interrupted, which is, I guess, part for the course. For the Nightmare Gang, but they're also being kidnapped, and Green sees is kidnapped, and nobody in Frivoli seems to care because none of them can read, <laughs> <laughs> except for Flora Fauna, aspiring aspiring actress. Would you like to read this? Surely, surely. There's no reason to hurry, child. Oh, no, of course not. I hope it's good news. No, I'm sure it is, my dear. Uh -huh. What other kind of news is there? Oh, oh it's, it's great yeah. fun to get messages, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I should send them to myself. <laughs> is it from my Uncle Greeny? Is he okay? My dear, couldn't be better. Oh, yes. Ah, will there be a reply? Not necessary, Miss Fauna. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. Dream on. <laughs> Why am I not believing this man? Well, I was determined Doug was going to be torn between which one he was going to be. Do I, do I be the fairy godmother or am I Flora Fauna? I don't know. <laughs> I can't act. I can't play two parts at once. <laughs> can do comedy, to do tragedy. Can't you see his talent? It's born out of his pedals. I can't act. I can do comedy. I can do tragedy. I can play two parts at once. Can't you see? I have talent. It's pouring out of my pedals. Boy, can you ever act. Wow. <laughs> He's ready to devote his life to showbiz. <laughs> But yeah, so once that part happened with the they tap dance, not, neither do they fart, all of a sudden I'm going, I'm completely interested in this movie. Nothing can disturb me from this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's about the turn, yeah. And <laughs> since it was on HBO and not, you know, demand, because there wasn't such a thing, you can rewind and be like, what did you say? No. Wait, what, who? Yeah. Clearly that can't be right. But and, yeah. then right after, and then it became the strange and congruous, like, sleepy, inspirational power ballad. But Marine, whoever yeah. Marine is. Well, right. it, was, it was the happy dreams getting delivered into the attack by the, what are they, no, Rudy and the Minions? Minions, minions yeah. Minions. Oh, they were using the term Minions before Minions was ruined. And they all had wonderful They're not little yellow blobs, they're evil, they're evil vultures. So along this time, we, we, meet our, uh, we meet our two heroes, which is Ralph, the all-purpose animal, and Mumford, the no-purpose, nothing. <laughs> His good companion. And, and Pat, again, Audience, Patrick's not making fun of this character. That's actually what he's called in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, the all-purpose animal, can change into any animal that he pleases, provided that they wear glasses. And right. are still the same color as he was originally. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of confidence and effort. 
I could be a tiger. Er, no. Er, er. Ralph, the all-purpose animal, is voiced by Lorenzo Music, who we were talking about earlier, the voice of Garfield. So everything is that dry, flat, monotone, which is where most of the comedy comes from. Mm, everything's said like this. We'd like to, but we have to take out the trash. Okay, one of the things early on in a relationship, Doug, not our relationship, uh, but uh, Bradford and I had to go take a whole bunch of stuff out of storage, sort of a thing, and it was a wreck. And at some point, Bradford just looked at me and said, welcome to the garbagerie. Garbagerie, yeah. Just follow the happy feet. Welcome to the garbagerie. Just follow the happy feet. <laughs> You'd only seen the movie once and it was like three years previous. I said, I don't know where you dug that up from. <laughs> so I punched him in the face. Right. And that's where I fell in love with the movie, was the garbagerie. Welcome to the garbagerie. Just follow the happy feet. The garbagerie. Well, yeah. I mean, it's you're, you're it, right after, you know, the, the figment and they tap down snout and other this part. Then you're right into it, and, and, it continu- and the garbagery scene continues to suck you in. Welcome to the garbagery. Just follow the happy feet. Uh-huh. Because now we've had a, a scene, and now we're going for completely absurd. And I could not be happier. I just, I just... <laughs> Hello, Patrick from the future. Before we go to the garbagery, I want to tell you how we got to the garbagery. Does that make sense? Well, I'm going to explain it to you. Okay. What has happened up until this point after Botch has kidnapped Greensleeves and the figment of imagination? We go to Frivoli. It's happy. It's shiny. It's, it's smurfy. Everybody's making the goddamn dreams. Everyone's either a fat Dutch woman or a cowboy. None of it makes sense. And everybody's just singing and la, 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 all day long, just like in the Lego movie. And in the midst of this is Mumford and Ralph who are not quite as enthusiastic as everyone else. And they get into trouble because instead of singing la, 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 they're singing dumb, dumb, dumb because they think it's all really dumb. Are you with me so far? Good. Fabulous. So Mumford does some of his usual nonsense business, like this dream rocket gets exploded. It's their fault. They're pariahs. They get sent to court. And they're trying to plead not guilty, but obviously everyone else thinks that they're guilty. I'll tell you how they plead guilty. That's how they plead guilty, 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 guilty. They're guilty being misfits and dummies, and they can't do anything right, so they, they are sentenced to their garbagery. And without any further ado, the garbagery. Oh, c'est magnifique. Empty little buckets into big barrel. Put big barrel in cart. Push cart far away. Yeah, but where exactly? Far, far, far away. Yeah, I know, but how far? I mean, we could push it so far that it could be too far, or we could just push it a little. You'll know when you get there. What? I said, you'll know when you get there. Oh, thanks. Think nothing of it. I know where to push it. Push little barrows into big cart. Push cart far away. <laughs> but how far is far away? Far, far, far away. You'll but know. When you tell me where it's going. You'll know when you get there. <laughs> You'll know when you, I know where to push it. <laughs> that's like it was like a rabbit, but it had like speakers for ears and like trumpet RCA speakers for ears and. It was like it was like an old time. Vintage microphone? microphone at like a drive-through. Uh huh. Yes, <laughs> with buttons that you could push but couldn't. 
<laughs> Don't push my button. Well, you could. You but you couldn't. Don't push my button. It is Jim Mumford's nemesis. This was the most violent scene, actually. Mumford and the, and the, and the speaker. Don't push my button. Oh, yes, that was pretty violent. It's very violent. Once you welcome to the garbagery, now she is the garbagery. <laughs> it's true. She's just on the trash heap with the rest of them. But, uh, yeah. but they, uh, Mumford and uh, uh, Ralph, while they live and work in Frivoli, they think it's all stupid. <laughs> yes. So that they've been punished to take out the trash of the garbagery, where they run into Flora Fauna, who's trying to find these letters that Greensleeves has been sending, but nobody's reading. Because they can't read. Or, or write. write. Or tie their shoes. Or, but they're fly. <laughs> right. That's what he said. Why am I not believing this man? Yeah, but she alerts them to the problem. She's like, oh, she finds the letter. She says, oh, no, uh, the figs are being kidnapped. The message. Figs being kidnapped. Send help or all is lost. G.S. Greensleeves. Your uncle is a fig? No. He delivers our dreams to the rushers of Din. We could help. You couldn't go to Din. Terrible things happen there. Really? Like what? Well, I'm not sure, but I know that you have to be a real hero to stay there. A hero, huh? We'd like to be heroes, wouldn't we, Mom? Maybe we could go to oh, Din. Hi. Maybe we could be figs, even. She said, well, we have to go there. We have to help it. But you can't go there. It's dangerous there. Only heroes can go there. But very luckily, also, well, maybe, she, doesn't, also maybe. she doesn't know the way. I know the way. I know the way. I know the way. I know the way. <laughs> That's later. <laughs> Unfortunately, Synonymous Bodge has been eavesdropping on all of this while he takes a shower. Through Ibor, the video gorilla. The video gorilla. <laughs> okay, let us take a moment to talk about Ibor, the video gorilla. What the fuck does that mean? Well, I'll explain it to you. Synonymous Bodge has a bodyguard. That is Ibor. He is a robot. He is a robot gorilla. He's got the body of a gorilla but his bottom half is like the treads of a tank and his face is a TV and he doesn't speak. He communicates in old clips from movies and TV shows. And you'll recognize all of them because they're all great movies and TV shows. But that's why this movie will never get distributed because they'll never be able to pay for the rights for all these damn video clips that they had. Where I don't know how they were able to do it before, but they can't do it anymore because that's just the way the world turns. It's tough. <laughs> it ain't easy being a pimp and it ain't easy being a video gorilla. Back to the show. Who looks for it's like the groove tube. Who is the reason why this movie will never get distributed? Because they will never get the rights. To all that stuff, yeah. Right. <laughs> However, uh, Spiro Agnew is completely fine. He <laughs> probably didn't notice, uh, Doug, the, that he had a Spiro Agnew 68 tattoo. Oh, yeah, he had a 68 Nixon and tattoo on his belly. <laughs> it seemed like a good idea at the time. That's uh, a good one. <laughs> Well, Doug may have noticed the Nixon Agnew tattoo on Synonymous Botch's belly while he was in the bathtub shower. What Doug failed to see were the giant sperm that were swimming in the tub with him. Yeah, this little animated sperm just swimming around. Sure, the people on the, on, the, on the commentary say that they're tadpoles, but they're not. They're not tadpoles. They're totally sperm. They're totally sperm. And how do I know they're sperm? Because they're animated by David Fincher. That's something else I learned from the commentary track. David Fincher was an animator on this movie. His job was to animate the tub sperm and a whole bunch of fireworks. So, David Fincher, Alien 3, Gone Girl, Fight Club, 
Zodiac. Twice upon a time. Fascinating. So if that didn't get your interest, I don't know what will. Because it turns out before there was the girl with the dragon tattoo, there was the weird little fat man with the Nixon Agnew tattoo. Consider your mind blown. The villain needs for his plan to work, he needs control of the cosmic clock. Right. Which is in frivoly. But like you said, uh, no, no, said no. bad it's things happen there. Happen there. Sorry, what? It's in dim. Oh, sorry, yeah, you're right. In dim. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll go work in the garbagery now. <laughs> <laughs> you send us to the garbagery. Yes, but it's too dangerous for him to go there. So, so, so he realizes he can calm these two into going, getting it for him. You know my uncle? Oh, your friend? Uh, colleagues, actually. Got problems these days, though. Time is his real problem. Never enough. Why don't you come over to my place, join me for tea, and I'll tell you all about my plan to save Greensleeve. We'd like to, but we have to take out the trash. And he he swoops down on them, and I, I love this whole scene with the car. He just shows. He just shows up over there in the garage. He just shows up. Oh no! He comes in the <laughs> the thunderous entrance. Oh yeah, because oh, heavy metal car. That the garbagery is in sort of like the neutral zone between Frivoli and the Markworks. Yes, <laughs> they share the garbagery. <laughs> well, Ratatouille eats. It, 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 it's it's And by the way, Smoochie and, is Ratatouille. Yes. Uh, Ratatouille. Excuse yourself, you naughty, naughty little sweetie. <laughs> you ate all the garbage, huh? <laughs> By the way, apparently, apparently the name of the title character in the Pixar film, Ratatouille, was directly inspired by this. Yes, I read that too. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You ate all the garbage. <laughs> you, my naughty, naughty little sweetie. <laughs> I could say that to say that to Smoochie any day of the week, three times a day. <laughs> you ate all the neighbors' children, you naughty, naughty little sweetie. So yeah, Ratatouille is, I guess, an armadillo, but seems to be somewhat robotic armadillo, <laughs> and very attracted to bowling balls. Who isn't, Doug? Three holes to choose from. It's a sport, Patrick. I wouldn't know. No waiting. <laughs> It's a sport that's also a musical number and a terrible movie sequel. <gasps> let's bowl, let's bowl, I can't imagine you rock and roll. Hey, come on, let's get the show on the road. Hey, Johnny, Johnny, go for that strike. I'll adjust my be your baby tonight. I'm Judy Garland's daughter, and that's the only thing they let me sing. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we have no idea what you're referring to. No, 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 not at no. all. The tour of the house is one of my favorite bits of cinema. Oh my god, that was great. Oh. If, you're, if you're telling me that it's improv, he, this guy was just making up off the cuff. I mean, they just had to animate it. Well, you should have seen the place when I moved in. It was just nothing here. Just walls, ceilings, and floors. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've certainly filled it up. <laughs> A man's castle is his home, after all, and this is mine. This is really something. Oh, I don't mean to fish for compliments. Very, uh, it's really interesting. Well, I moved in. 
collection here. Look at the rainbow lava lamp collection. They're still active. I want to see something unusual. Follow me. Come here, come here, come here. Follow me. Look at this. From around the world, every kind of salami drying in this closet. <coughs> Exotic. Just suck it in. Don't cough it out. And over here, the undersides of movie seats. Don't step on that stuff. Okay, be careful. Be careful. Come on. Here's uh, the stretch cat collection. Oh, what's this? Here, this ought to make you puke. The Royal Fathead Collection. Every fathead had a bat body attached to it. Took them off, took them off. Just chop them off and nail them to the wall. <laughs> They're really pretty, aren't they? This one has got a smile. So there was a rainbow lava lamp collection. The ra- the, there's, and they're still active. Every kind of salami. <laughs> and the thing is, lava lamps weren't back at the time. No, they were not. They were not back at the time. They were not easy to find at the time. So the fact that he had a lava lamp collection that was still active is pretty cool. Well, he had all of them, yeah. From around the world, every kind of salami drying yeah. in this closet. And I noticed this time around was something I never noticed before. There's like a cat. The stretch cat and, collection. No, there's a, cat, there's a cat encased in one of the salamis. It's like cat salami. <laughs> oh, my God. There was the, uh, he mentioned the, uh, the undersides of movie scenes. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't step on that. Don't step on that. Don't step on that. <laughs> yeah. And attached to every bad head is the bad body. Just chop it off. Chop it off. Nail it to the wall. You see, I thought that he had said fat head. I it was like he cut off heads of fat people. No, like over here, this one's got a smile. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're then, being so gracious. And I was, trying to, I was trying to do that yesterday when you gave me the tour of your apartment, Doug. <laughs> Oh, and I missed it. Sorry. You wouldn't have gotten it at that point. <laughs> so, you know, I watch it, well, I watch it about- once to let people sink in. And then, and then I watch it again so I could like, write stuff down. And I had not watched it the second time yet. Because I said something about it from around the world every time of salami drying in this bathroom. And you said, no, no, this is our princess bathroom. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so sorry I missed it. <laughs> please, please tell everyone. <laughs> the princess doesn't like that kind of salami. Please tell everyone about your princess bathroom, Doug. I'm sure they're dying to find out what that means. Well, naturally. Oh my God, the letters you're gonna get it begging for pictures. So when we uh, when we got the apartment, we're like, well, you know, we're thinking conservative, masculine, blah blah blah. And then we get down into the into the bathroom downstairs, and the and the sink is it's got like the story of Sleeping Beauty written out around it with like briar roses, and there's a matching toilet top. And we're like, oh my God, a princess sink that has to stay. All right, now the other room's conservative, masculine. Thinking, so you have something to read while you're on the boat. Well, you gotta you gotta lean to the sink in order to do it, but it's. We just, or you just take the lid off the back of the tank, whichever. <laughs> <laughs> Don't turn the page, though. <laughs> Don't turn the page. I was take very... a picture. You'll put it on the website. <laughs> you think I didn't already? Oh, good. What do you think I was doing in there for twenty minutes? <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick gets really happy to see me. You told me you were washing your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the tour of the house has to conclude with the tour of the Merkworks production studio. Here it is, the Merkworks, the actual stages where I produce all the world's best night <laughs> Don't you just love it? <laughs> I do. Oh, 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 oh,
way you understand that some roles require partial nudity. I record their screams and condense them into the essence of terror. <laughs> Only the best, the most horrible, are poured into my nightmare bomb. That's why I need you. Of course you. Who do you think I'm talking about? Where all the world's greatest nightmares of, are produced. The piece of resistance. The screening room. Screaming room. That was a piece of resistance. He I know. I'm sorry. I was doing floor of fun. Screening room. All of a sudden, I'm very interested because I'm an actress. Right. Who you're never. Weird. You're, who never you're weird and you have, dis you have decapitated bats on your wall, but you make movies. Right. <laughs> so this part wasn't too far off from the real world then. No. <laughs> no, pretty much, pretty much that whole scene. Any scene, any scene from Lola's esoteric dinette, whatever it was. <laughs> was being shot <laughs> in the Nightmare Studio somewhere. And we're playing all the sound from that. He records their screams and condenses them into the essence of terror. Yes. And the one who gets naked looks like Brad. Yay. It reminds me of Brad. <laughs> some, some roles require a partial nudity. And then... <laughs> He's nothing. A writer. <laughs> oh, we haven't gotten to him yet. <laughs> oh, uh, well, technically, we've already met him. We met him before they got on the... Tour. And we met him vacuuming, but that was really <laughs> that's only funny after you've seen the movie. You'd be like, oh, he's vacuuming and he's got vacuuming. No the great murky novel. Through its nightmare script. I'm starting work on the great murky novel. You get the prize. Here I come. Steinbeck, Hemingway, Gosbopper. Yeah! I'm trying to finish a page. Steinway, Hemingway, Gosbopper. Gosbopper. Uh, He's trying to lay down the plan that he needs them to go to Din and find the cosmic clock and take out the spring and bring it back. And that will save Greensleeves. Well, this is like there's, a, there's about a, uh, somewhere between 30 seconds and a minute while he's trying to explain this plan because apparently time doesn't exist in oh. either the Merc Works or Fribbly. <laughs> playing, that, playing that whole clip. <clears throat> These slides may be a little out of date, but you'll get the idea. Gentlemen and lady, here is Din. Oh, Din. Where's my uncle? You'll look for him. He might be there. You'll see him. Hey, looks real nice. Are they friendly? Oh, they'd love to be friendly, only they rush around so much, they don't have the time to be friendly. The what don't they? The time. They, they have watches or clocks on their wrists which tell them the time they don't have because they are always rushing Excuse and they me. think they I'm don't getting, have... What is time? Two o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock. If they, there's something that tells them that they don't have something? Yeah. And that there's a clock? It's a clock. And they watch it? They watch it. And it tells them... The time. That they don't have. That's simple, isn't it? Get it? Oh, uh, uh-huh. Could we go on to the next picture, please? So it's a thing <laughs> and you watch it and it tells you that the you don't have... That they don't have. <laughs> <laughs> okay can we go on to the next picture please oh yeah the the, the time it was, that was the uh who's on first of this movie and she just keeps interrupting sir i can dance <laughs> good for you a <laughs> picture of a store on the corner huh. let me see about a slide there of the inside <laughs> you didn't see that okay i huh? saw it what was it <laughs> an old actress i used to... i'm an actress oh you are huh yes. anyway here is the clock <clears throat> that's a clock no that's 
V-Clock. And all you have to do is lift out the spring Sir? and bring it to me. I can dance. Good for you. Thank you. It's so simple. Greenie will be saved. Just take it. Every pair of lips, your picture, and all the papers. What do you say? Well, I. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll do it. Oh, <laughs> ah, I knew you had the stuff of heroes. <laughs> where's my uncle? <laughs> you look for him. You might see him. <laughs> yeah, look for him. You see him in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> he offers Flora a job, working as a nightmare actress. Which leads to one of my favorite outbursts of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure Doug's going to use it as a dramatic monologue someday. Oh, naturally. I can act. I can do comedy. I can do tragedy. I can play two parts at once. Can't you see? I have talent. It's pouring out of my table. Ah! Boy, can you ever act. What pathos, what pain. I've been trying to tell you I'm ready to devote my life to showbiz. Great, I am showbiz, and you are talent. Oh. What's wrong? I've always prayed for a break like this, but my uncle needs me. I need you. You must. You must. <laughs> the, I can act. I can do comedy. I can do tragedy. I can play two parts at once. Can you see I have talent? It's pouring out of my pedals. Ah! He goes, boy, can you ever act? What pathos, what pain. <laughs> and the, the, the violin's going underneath it. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you what to devote my life to. I'll never get another chance like this. Never, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it felt like Don Music. <laughs> Uh, she actually had a pretty great career too. She was on 90210 for hmm. years, and I forget what else was she was on. She did a lot of TV in the 90s. Oh, Kirby Enthusiasm. She was on that for like the whole run. Or oh, she played the mother of someone. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl. 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 We're off to Din. They find the clock pretty quickly. But again, one of my favorite lines when they get into the clock, when they, it's just an ordinary clock on the wall of a diner. Nothing special except when you get inside, it's the Twilight Zone. Well, it's also kind of like the TARDIS. That too. It's, 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 it's immensely large on the inside. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, the galaxies are spinning the around. The galaxy on the top. Boy, this may take a while. In fact, it may take a lot of while. Yeah. Uh, this, this might take a while. In <laughs> fact, it might take a lot of while. I say that all <laughs> the time. <laughs> and then when they break it, yeah, he goes, we're in deep, deep. Very deep. Like, he didn't want to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now they're not going to curse. Yeah, now they're not. We're in deep, deep. Very deep. Ralph doesn't curse. He may be an all-purpose animal, but he's not an all-purpose potty mouth. Thank you. Yes. And, of course, Humbert doesn't speak at all, so. Well, if he did, it would be great if he was like, oh, fuck off, fairy godmother. <laughs> That'd be great. We haven't gotten her yet. But, yeah, Mumford's fucking around in the, in the clock like Mumford does. That's what Mumford does. Mumford causes trouble. Right. And he breaks the clock, which sets the spring loose. And the spring is alive. And it goes bouncing out, and we get some more Maury McDonald. Yeah, as, as our intrepid heroes try to catch the spring. That's when yeah. I wrote down the Gloria Stefan B-side song. Because it just sounds like Gloria Stefan just singing, like, 
you know, one of the well, well, body, baby, catch that spring. You gotta get it and do that thing now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's more like I don't want to lose you now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and this is where we get some more memorable lines like, boy, I sure hope Mr. Botch isn't going to be pissed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope Mr. Botch won't be pissed. Pissed? Ooh. Boy, am I pissed. Pissed? <laughs> pissed? Boy, am I pissed. <laughs> you nuts, Jack. <laughs> um, um, but this, of course, is now the entrance of the fairy godmother. They have fucked up time because when the clock breaks, everything stops. Time stops dead for everybody except these little animated characters. Well, and the spring gets captured because it took a drink. They don't know that yet. They have to go find the spring. They don't even know what they have to do. So fairy godmother has to show up and set them straight. And this is where the movie gets fabulous. <laughs> Who are you? I'm your fairy godmother. What did you expect, the Avon lady? Avon? You guys have screwed up in a rather royal way. We made a mistake? Trust me, I'm your fairy godmother. Are? Everybody's. Look, Botches are schmuck. A bad man. He's got greeny the figs. He makes all the nightmare bars for the whole world. And he wants nightmares forever. So you guys have to stop him. We guys? You guys. And you gotta find that crazy kooky spring before Botch gets his hands on it. But it's gone. I mean, we don't even know where to look, do we? Aqua grief, you're small in the hat size. Now, where did you see it last? Uh, outside. Good, that's a start. Look outside. It's not inside here, so maybe it's outside there. Am I moving too fast for you? No. Good. Now, I suggest that you find that spring. She's so useless. <laughs> She's the best. She does nothing, but yeah. She does nothing helpful. She did not help them in any way. Here, here's three dimes. If you use them, toss one in the air, phone both appears. Personally, I don't understand it. Better take these three dimes. Dimes? Yes, they're magical. You get in any real trouble, you toss one in the air, a phone booth appears. Personally, I don't understand it. Anyway, give me a call, all right? Here's my number. Thank you, fairy godmother. Just call me FGM. I hate excess verbiage. Well, you've looked inside here. Have you looked outside there? Or am I moving too quickly for you? <laughs> Good grief, you swallowed the hat size. <laughs> <laughs> that crazy kooky spring. <laughs> She's got all, just got all these amazing one-liners. Like, uh, who are you? I'm your fairy godmother. Who are you expecting? The Avon lady? Just call me FGM. I hate excess verbiage. <laughs> no, no, he says, I'm your fairy godmother. Ours, everybody's. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just, I just said, I said, I said, I, I knew at least you connected with the fairy godmother, Doug. Like oh, this is the humor of my people. Of course, she knows these guys are useless. And I, yeah, she, she tries to like, she starts to the thing that she does is she starts doing interviews to possibly find a hero for them. And that's why she's on the phone and it's busy the first time they're trying to use the dime, and the well, I got a duck. <laughs> uh, the first hero. That comes in. I mean, that that clip you have to play. You just can't. Are you talking about Rod Rescue Man? <laughs> Absolutely. No, He's I have just to, play that to do his job as Florifana. <laughs> that that scene is perfection. Oh it God, is. that it, it's the best scene in the entire movie. Hello. Hello. Yes, 
wheels. My name is Rod Rescue Man. And what do I learn from that? My name? Yeah. I'm a superhero. You're kidding. I'm actually, I'm not a full-fledged one. I'm on my learner's permit, but that's almost as good. You have a resume, perhaps I could check yeah, some Yeah, I do, right here. It's a blank piece of paper, but it is notarized and it's legal size. You've made my day. If only I could give you a little test, you could show me that you're capable of I've doing it. I've got an idea. Yes. Why don't you give me a test? There's an idea. Thank you. Let me uh, think of something. Mm -hmm. Here we go. I thought of it so very quickly. Let's pretend that I'm a damsel in distress. You'll be the damsel in distress. Better me than you. Well, I couldn't rescue myself. That doesn't count. It really does. Okay. <laughs> to make it a little more interesting, I'll be a damsel in distress currently on fire. At this moment, on fire. Here we go. This is the test, this so is I should do something. This is where you jump in and do something. Okay, you're on fire. Currently. Excuse me, ma'am. Yes? Superheroes are very polite. Skip polite, go right to action. Oh. I now feel molecules charring internally. Gotcha. Oh, hell. Dangle in distress, currently on fire. Would you like to be rescued? More than life itself. Let me just suck those flames up there. My hero. Thank you. Oh, gee. Oh, do I get the job, or should we move right on to the shark-infested waters? Test? I'll give you the job. You'll get out of here. And it's written out. I was on a. I was on IMDb trying to do a little like. It's wrong on IMDb. There's so many words wrong on that. Really, it's still funny. But like the first thing, like you click their name and the quote and like the scene came up. I'm like, oh my god. And then I couldn't find it again. Even the bird liked it. <laughs> you can hear her. She yeah. loves it. That scene was on YouTube. Forever. I would show people that scene. They're like, I want to see the rest of that movie. I said, you can't. <laughs> Is it not there anymore? Well, it's there now, but it's, uh, they said, I want to, when they say, I want to see the rest of the movie for many years, I have to say, you can't, unless you come to my house and watch just the old VHS that's falling apart. Well, apparently it's much harder, harder to find this movie and its clips on uh, YouTube now, um, mainly because uh, the Doctor Who Christmas special this year was also titled Twice upon a time. Yes. Oh God. Uh, and <laughs> actually, this um, this restored version of the PG thirteen version was on YouTube for free for a very long time. So whoever is selling it on YouTube took it down. Ugh. Well, they bought it. They did it. They did it. People wanted it on DVD. So somebody finally said, "Fine, print it." Because that guy who made it is like, "I don't give a fuck. Just do whatever." <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sick of this fucking movie. I never liked it. Well, you know who else is sick of this fucking movie? <laughs> who? Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> really? Is it time for the story now? Tell me. Didn't, tell he, didn't me. he do one of the songs? The opening song, as a matter he, of fact. He did do the opening song. Uh, so I had a friend of mine in the late 90s who worked at Bruce Hornsby's record company. And he got passes. We we're going we, we, we to go see Bruce Hornsby and his band perform. <laughs> And uh, then we're going to get to hang around afterwards. And uh, so I brought it up. Because <laughs> what the hell else do I have to talk to Bruce Hornsby Wait, about? Wasn't there something about, like, he did something with, you get to pick a song? Like, the audience gets to pick one song? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely put that song, I wrote that down on my, on my paper and, and put it into the bowl. Uh, it didn't get picked. <laughs> <laughs> Who put this in? Who did this? <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> I will kill you. And uh, he, you know, we were talking to him afterwards, and he very quickly moved on to the next subject. Uh, very much uh, in the, uh, I really don't want to talk about this. Let's talk more about, you know, something that makes me look better. Oh, uh, you're, you're a crazy person. 
Hello, Patrick from the future again. Hi. Before we leave the topic of Bruce Hornsby forever, I just wanted to bring up something that I learned about the animation listening to the director's commentary that I had no idea about. Yes, we talked about how the Lumage process is more like stop motion, that all these characters are made from little teeny tiny plastic pieces that they manipulated and, and, and things like that. However, the music in this, we talk about the songs, we talk about Maureen McGovern, we talk about Bruce Hornsby. They're not really advancing the story. These songs, it's not like it's a musical. Usually when there's a musical number that goes on for several minutes, the reason it's there is because they're showing off something that this new animation process could do because this was an experimental film to show off this process and what it could do. So, in this opening scene where Bruce Hornsby is playing, we're throughout the song, we're kind of swooping in, doing this slow swoop all around the the um, murky and wastelands, zooming in on the mook, uh, slowly zooming in on the murkworks, around the tree and under a bridge, and, and it's all very sweeping and all. And what I was shocked to discover was that these sets, some of them, were three-dimensional and huge. Like, apparently, the camera is walking through this enormous, you know, two-dimensional set to get this whole sweeping effect. And I thought that was really cool and really neat. And I, my mind was blown. And actually, Stephen and Doug don't know this at all. So I'm sure Stephen's mind is being blown when he's listening to this right now. But anyway, that's pretty much all I wanted to say here. It wasn't that interesting, but it was interesting to me. Deal with it. Fine. You don't want to talk about Bruce Hornsby? Let's talk about the first nudie musical for no reason whatsoever. This is like the nudie musical actors. Like, <laughs> never want to discuss it. Well, what, Patrick, what exactly was Sidney Williams' response? <laughs> was what? Sidney Williams' what? Response. when you? Oh, well, yeah, because I didn't even think I told the story when we covered the movie. Uh, when on my first children's theater tour, my first professional job, we were following a production of Death Trap. Like they were always like a couple of days ahead of us. And one day we finally overlapped and she was playing the wife in it. And I just happened to have the VHS of the first nerdy musical with me <laughs> like to watch, to watch in the van. <laughs> we all had movies to watch in the van. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to get this autograph. And I took it out and handed it to her. And she said, this was the last thing in the world I ever expected anyone to hand me today. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was great about it. I mean, she's even on the documentary. She's very proud of the whole thing. She loves this movie. It's a bunch of friends getting together, having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Hornsby did not enjoy Twice Upon a Time. <laughs> oh. Well, nightmare bombs for him then. Yeah. Man. Well, that was Twice Upon a Time. Many beyond ago. <laughs> that song was not in the movie. Mandy Patinkin shows up at this point. <laughs> that was twice upon a time. Why isn't he frozen? <laughs> Everyone was frozen except the cartoon characters and Mandy Patinkin. Nobody knows why. Let him go. Okay, we're, uh, we're the spring. Rod Rest- oh, Rod, Rod, Rod Racing Man, that happened. And really, the movie could end there. <laughs> the movie could end there. But it doesn't. No, it, you it, think Rock and Rescue Man can't get any funnier, but he does. It, yeah, it can end there because we haven't seen his place yet. <laughs> uh. Are you here to rescue me or what? I'm here to what? Where is she? Where is she? <laughs> <laughs> does she give lip on the first date? <laughs>
Hi, Patch from the Future again. I'm jumping in again because in our initial interview, Rod Rescue Man got a little bit of the script. We kind of skipped over in a bit just because we were running short on time. But now all I have is time. See, Rod Rescue Man, I'm sure, he's been hired to save the day, but he actually doesn't know what the plan is, okay? He has no idea that he's there to help them find the spring. That is his job. He's hooked up on the whole idea that there is a damsel in distress that needs rescuing. That's all he cares about because if he gets a kiss from a damsel in distress that he's rescued, he graduates from his learner's permit to his full superhero's license. So he is obsessed. Are you authorized to be at the scene of a rescue? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm the ones you're supposed to rescue. We're, I mean, we are. And then we've got to Spit it save. out! Where's the uh, damsel? Where's the spring? Oh, no. Botch made this many bombs. No telling what he's done with Flora. Done with Flora? I'm supposed to be first. Listen, are you here to help us or what? I'm here to what and where is she? So while Rod is obsessed with rescuing Flora, it turns out this one thing that the movie does not have. It doesn't have a damsel in distress. Because while Flora may be at the work, the Merkworks, under the sway, of synonymous botch. She is never in any danger. As a matter of fact, she has become quite the star of the Nightmare Studios, where, yes, she is put in horrible, dangerous situations day after day after day but that scare the living hell out of her, but she's never in actual any danger. That's the whole thing. You can't kill your Nightmare actors, right? But you think you're going to kill them, but don't kill them. That's not okay. I'm going to put you into training right away. Clear the tracks. The is So while Ralph and Mumford are trying to hunt down that crazy kooky spring, all Rod is interested in is finding his damsel in distress. And when he does find her, it sure as hell looks like she's a damsel in distress because she's in the middle of making a nightmare, right? So he rescues her from a situation that she doesn't need to be rescued from. In a sense, he's kidnapped her, which adds a certain tension to their relationship for the rest of the movie because when you're a kidnapped victim, it's really, really hard to get a kiss from them. What's my next line? Never! Where am I? Why, you're right here. (laughs) Oh, the shy type. Delicate flower. It's okay, Flora. You probably want to slip into something more (laughs) comfortable. Oh, you monster. You hit me. I saved you. I am ruined. I am ruined. You are rescued. So what is this place? Where am I anyway? This is my apartment, Cum Gymnasium. Uh, Everything here is designed not only as an article of furniture, but as a piece of exercise equipment. uh, This is weird. This is my stereo and gluteus maximus room. And my personal favorite, soon to be one of yours, the love seat and leg lift station. Uh You'd like to try it out? Don't touch me. See, my body has become a weapon, a high-tension wife. Big deal. See this rippling torso, these latissimus dorsi? I even have muscular lips. Me, it's the rule. Oh, this is ridiculous. I'm the 
leaving. Goodbye. So if you didn't guess from the clip, the more Rod tries to rescue Flora and get his kiss from her, the more he keeps putting her in, you know, life peril. Hilarity ensues. So our heroes are all descending on the Merkworks. They're figured out where the spring is. The final battle is coming. But here's the thing. It turns out we haven't known Botch's plan all along. Oh, no, 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 no. Because we thought he just like, okay, we're going to, he's going to get rid of dreams altogether, the sweet dreams. And then we're going to have the rushers have nightmares only from here on out. But no, 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 no. The reason he stopped time is that he can plant nightmare bombs everywhere. He's carpet bombing all of Din. So when he starts time again, he's going to hit the button. Button, button. Who's got the button? Botch. The ultimate button. The big red one. Because while time has been stopped, Botch has carpeted all of Din with nightmare bombs, and the big red one's going to set them all off at once, causing the rushers to have non-stop nightmares forever. Moo-hoo-ha-ha. Moo-hoo-ha-ha. Such a dastardly plan. Of course, it has to be thwarted. There's a big final battle. The day is saved. I'm not going to go into details because I do want you to see the movie, for God's sake. But there is one piece of valuable information. If you're going to go, you know, Save the world from nonstop nightmares. There is one item you should always have with you. All right, I'm wearing rubber underwear. <laughs> rubber underwear, kids. It saves lives. We're saving lives here today. Back to the boys. Well, there's all kinds of peril and fraud and uh, great crazy stuff. And, you know, the day is saved in the end. I'm just kind of wrapping it up because I am going to do a screening of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because people have, will have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, it's a service you provide. It is a service I provide for these more obscure things. I had to show the first Nudie musical on New Year's Eve so people's New Year's started off right. <laughs> so it was joyful. There you go. <laughs> balls dropped on TV, balls dropped in the movie. <laughs> Scales. Scales. <laughs> May your year be filled with stunt cock. <laughs> are we talking about the movie apparently yes we are <laughs> yeah, yeah that was there too partial nudity in this one <laughs> everyone's got their certain nightmares yeah well i'm sure they were i'm sure new year's eve there were some dildos on tv too that didn't know their lines true uh, <laughs> i studied with strasburg <laughs> and i don't need this shit <laughs> She's Flora Fauna. She fled, that's where Flora Fauna wound up being that girl. <laughs> Flora Fauna is the scales girl. Oh, is it, I'm sorry, Flora Fauna is pretty much a porn name, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, nobody gave her that name. Nobody in their right mind would give someone that name. So God, let's talk about the animation a little bit of the movie. Yeah. It was, it was so fascinating, and I couldn't quite put my... It, was, it felt yellow submarine-ish, but it was on... Uh, but sometimes like moving watercolors, almost like origami, like with the dragons in the moat. And then it would be like tiny, tiny creatures on top of like frozen black and whites of actual people. Yes. Well, apparently the technique that they used is sort of similar to the cutout paper shapes that, uh, that they use for South Park, except I see that okay. this technique was done on a light board, so it was all backlit, and you know you'd have you'd have light coming through the paper. Yeah, and it was yes. it was pre it was all preformed plastic pieces. 
rather than animation itself. It was so it's almost stop motion. Yeah, right. Which is how they're able to do all these layering and why the animation seems to glow. Right. Yeah. A lot of times, it's like rainbow colors flowing through things, like cows. Like cow. Like like, like cows, cows on swings. Uh huh. <laughs> but it really, I mean, it, it's it's really a very interesting, visually interesting technique. I think. Yeah. You wouldn't know from my VHS that's 24 years old. <laughs> Which is what we're going to be screening, unfortunately. <laughs> well, let me ask you something. How good's the audio on it? I can fix the audio. Because if the audio is good, we might be able to... Because to, I ordered a copy of the DVD. It would probably sync up pretty clearly. Like, like, I don't think that would be that difficult to do. And if we could pull that off, I, that's not a, that's not difficult. I have I have the software to do that. You know, we'd have a shit all the time. We'd have a pretty pristine copy of that version. Uh, and we would be the coolest people that nobody knew were cool. <laughs> <laughs> True. That is that is what I have been my entire life. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. If <laughs> you leave it to someone in your will, <laughs> my most prized possession. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Cows on swings? <laughs> you kinky bitch. <laughs> I'm going to leave somebody that and, and the, the, the banana crunch cake that, that had the, the insecticide on it. No, we need to tell that story. Okay. <laughs> Steve and I did a production of Cabaret together. Oh, good. Yeah. At what, what Plaza Playhouse? Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was still Plaza at that point. It was still Plaza at that point. And Steven Jurgens, was that his name? Yep. The house manager. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy. Gloomy, 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 like pre Squidward, Squidward. Yeah, <sighs> that's actually perfect. Uh, <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I'll just die. That's right. That was pretty much him. It doesn't matter to me. Perfect. It does exactly, exactly. He came back screaming at us one day. <laughs> Why did he come back screaming at us one day? Because there was, <laughs> excuse me, because there was a prop cake for, I guess, a children's theater show that someone had eaten. That was uh -huh. the genesis of the whole thing. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> But of course, he doesn't come back and say, who ate the cake? We needed that for the children's show. He's like, oh, my God, we needed that for the children's show. It was treated with insecticide, and I hope whoever ate it dies. <laughs> that's almost, that's, if not verbatim, it's pretty damn close. Five minutes to act two. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day. <laughs> we went out and bought an identical cake. This was like, a, you know, an, an Entenmann's boxed cake. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, a big fancy cake from a bakery or anything. It's fancy so it was, insecticide, though. <laughs> so it was easy enough to find. Yes. <laughs> oh, please don't put mosquitoes on it. Oh, no, no. We, we had Jonestown backstage. Because <laughs> we all had, it was just one big dressing room. Yes. So we came back to call places and everybody's dead <laughs> with cake hanging out of their mouth. He's <laughs> like, good. Good, I hope you won't burn in hell, you bastard. funny. Get on stage. <laughs> oh, Steven Jurgens. Uh, I love that man. Because we all became him. He was miserable but jolly about it in his own way. <laughs> I repeat. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't in any way an unpleasant man. No. 
No. No, we, no. We tell him when we were going to go meet Blanche. We tell him that Blanche said hi. <laughs> oh, Steven Jurgens. Uh, I love that man. Because we all became him. He was miserable but jolly about it in his own way. <laughs> I repeat. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't in any way an unpleasant man. No, no. <laughs> no, we, no. We, we tell him when we were going to go meet Blanche. <laughs> we tell him that Blanche said hi. <laughs> that was code when we wanted to get rid of people that we didn't want to hang out with. <laughs> Rebecca Shekalika, that's another story. People have heard about Rebecca Shekalika. You heard about Rebecca Shekalika on the Shockma episode. <laughs> the monster of Plaza Playhouse. Yeah, so where are we? Anyway, um, is, yeah. I'm with all the listeners right now. <laughs> you know what? It's our Christmas. We've had nog. By the way, I, I, I still use that when I want to get rid of people. <laughs> Blanche says hi. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're not actually going there, but because your wife knows, your wife knows that joke. <laughs> oh yes, Blanche said we need to be there right away. It's urgent. It's urgent. Blanche is up. Blanche is on fire. She's a damsel in distress who is right now at this moment on fire. I'm currently on fire at this moment. Molecules charring internally. <laughs> uh, I just think it's a shame that this movie has gotten lost because it's delightful. Not anymore. It, yeah, I. It's it's a charming little because it's only about an hour long. Yeah, yep. and uh, it's it's whimsical and dark at the same time. Yeah, you know it feels like something. It, it I was thinking about this on my, on my drive home today, trying to figure out exactly the best way to try to describe this to someone who's never seen it. <laughs> it's it's. It's almost like something Tim Burton would make, like a like a Nightmare Before Christmas, except funnier. Exactly. That's very close. Yeah. And it predated the whole kind of naughty animation thing, too. Yeah, we had heavy metal that was different. That kind of pornogra- uh, pornographic animation. But this having cute little cartoon characters say bad words. was No, that wasn't a thing at the time. No, that was novel. Um, but no, the script is funny. It's, I mean, it's, it's not inappropriate for children it goes too fast for children oh doug how'd you do doing a big nightmare scene in the office oh well i lived that when i was temping i was like this please <laughs> normally i'd be afraid but i was like oh no i totally uh, doug's I gonna totally be late again he's on top of his desk and the staple removers are just barking <laughs> <laughs> you mean thursday at right management uh-huh. <laughs> See, for me, with the nightmare factor, I'm like, well, these nightmares are very interesting, but where's the part where you're on stage and everybody knows their lines, you're about to go on and somehow you've never rehearsed and wear your pants? That nightmare I didn't see. That's the one I have all the time. Well, clearly that was too feeble. It was not, it was not horrific enough to That's be inside true. a nightmare bomb. I know, didn't get the screams. I, I can only, you know, I've, I've only ever seen this on the small screen because... I had no idea about this movie when it got its very limited theatrical release. <laughs> I can only imagine that that scene is, is, is actually pretty frightening if it were on the big screen. Ralph and Mumford are looking for the spring or whatever the hell they're doing in an office, which is already nightmarish because everybody's frozen. And the way, the way the scene is set, it's not 
linear? <laughs> the way everything's set up, everything's kind of a jumble. Yeah. Yeah, it's more of a collage of an office than an actual office. They accidentally trip a nightmare bomb and they wind up getting attacked. Because Mumford's fucking around again uh-huh. on a typewriter. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He just wants to have a good time, Doug. <laughs> he can't talk. Leave him alone. Well, this is why we can't have nice things, Patrick. <laughs> we were saving that nightmare bomb for when your grandmother came over. to get her to go home. <laughs> <laughs> ah, again with the staple removers. Ugh, I'm going back to Florida. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, it's a relatively horrific scene. And I realized that afterwards, I'm like, oh, shit, Doug's going to have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) He's standing in front of a staples like, fuck you. (laughs) You can't get me. I have a princess bathroom to protect me. I have a bissel, a bissel more, uh, more aesthetic distance than that, but not much. Well, you never know with you, Doug. You never know. I like to think of you as a very delicate creature who could crumble at any moment. Yeah, that's not bad. How to wrap this up. In a very strange strange bow. In a very strange bow, yeah. um, Well, is Maury McDonald here? Could she sing something? (laughs) We could just sing some Christmas carols on the way out. Oh, we could, but it's over, Doug. It's over. It's over. It's over. I could do one in Yiddish on the concertina. Oh, you and the fucking concertina. He played a concertina in the show. It's all he talks about now. He played in a cab, almost killed everybody. <laughs> it's true. We almost died. The cab driver's singing along and clapping to the concertina. <laughs> in my mind, you're doing 90 miles an hour. Down it Central felt like Park. that a little yeah, bit. Clapping is not what I want for my cab driver while nope. we're in motion. Nope. <laughs> but Wait, it was Christmas, times- so if it was an accident, they'd just flown off like reindeer. <laughs> I know. How many times do you get to hear Feliz Navidad in Yiddish, really? With a concertina that you're playing. I can do it. Ready? Concertina's right over there. No, I, 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 don't, I don't think I can say yes to if I'm ready for that. I think they've suffered enough. <laughs> Have they? I don't know. Maybe that's a Patreon perk. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> what did we do to deserve this, Santa? What did we do? <laughs> <laughs> Is Miss Sugar a gift? <laughs> Yeah, so twice upon a time. It's one of my favorites. The screen. I'm going to have information about the screening here. I'll insert it later. It'll be great. So, uh, Steve, do you have any shows coming up after? Uh, uh, after uh, this, I will be doing the, I don't know what number it is, 22nd, 23rd, something like that, Festival of One Act Plays, also at Theater 3. That should Ooh. be sometime in April or so. In Port Jefferson, scenic Port Jefferson, Port Jefferson Long Island. Island. Where I grew up. Uh. <laughs> mm. Don't come if it's raining because we flood. <laughs> now I now this I know. So the theater floods the basement. The, the, the basement of the theater does flood. It had about four feet of water that day. We're plotting. <laughs> okay, so here. Jeff, comes to the patients when Jeff says, so I was like, okay, here's the, here's the, it's going to be Dickens meets Waterworld today. Just go with it. <laughs> well, here's the best part. When here's that, a canoe. Here's some water wings with Tiny Tim. Go. When that flood occurred, they were in the middle of having the auditions for the children's cast of A Christmas Carol. <laughs> oh so you need to be able to sing, act, and <laughs> swim. swim. <laughs> Did you bring your Christmas floaties? They, they literally had to stop the auditions for the kids because the building was flooding. <laughs> Amateurs. <laughs> 
But did that you get the role? <laughs> well, apparently there were enough of them left, so. Back in my day, I would have put together a Nestor Williams routine. <laughs> Everyone who survived made it into the show is now a crash it. <laughs> I feel really bad for the kids who get in the show and they're not part of the Cratchit family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go festoon this. Because, like, it's like, who are you? I'm child on Christmas morning. What the hell does that mean? Oh, yeah, I, get, I go and get the, the polterer when, 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 you know, when Scrooge wants to send a turkey. What? Right? Walker! You're the one as big as me? <laughs> Walker! You want the one as big as my sister that washed away in the flood? Just you know, Patrick, I played that role as well. As well as young Scrooge. As the goose in the window? <laughs> you, the goose in the window? <laughs> you know what? I don't want to correct you because that's more fun. <laughs> I danced the role of the goose in the window. <laughs> I, held, I held two drumsticks. <laughs> they had castanets at the end of them. Who gave the duck a concertina? <laughs> <laughs> Pack up your troubles in your old kid bag and smile, smile. We broke the show. I can't. We broke it. Honey, the show's been broken since day one. The show got broken. And then I spend 72 hours trying to fix it. No, no, it's going to go down like the last of Sheila. This is what gets me entertainment weekly. It's the fact that anything comes out. I am the laxative that makes the show happen. I am Miralax. Well, good luck with this one. (laughs) Yeah, this one's going to be a chore. But you know what? It's my goddamn Christmas show. It's a labor of love. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I need an epidural. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Oh, Doug, do you have anything coming up? How long are you in town for? What's going on? Um, I'm in town, uh, as far as I know, infinitely. uh, (laughs) Now that show's done. Um, Business role-play gigs, which I love, and uh, vacation to the Bahamas. My sister-in-law's turning 50, and we're going on a cruise. And you'll be bringing your emotional support concertina. I can't. <laughs> Pack up your troubles in your old kid bag. You have to, you have to take that out. Of, you better start learning, learning Bob Marley on the concertina now. Because <laughs> I'm a Buffalo Goyam. <laughs> I'm not from Buffalo, nor am I a Goyam. <laughs> well, well, you can sing it about Sean then. Good point. Huh? Actually, he's technically Jewish. The rabbi by, that married by injection. <laughs> Kick. Shut up. No, the um, the rabbi who married us thrilled to marry two men, but Sean had to be Jewish. And his maternal grandmother landed in the Midwest around the time of the orphan trains, and looks like every Jewish woman in New York City. Good enough, the rabbi. Good enough for us. Okay. Okay. Now you know. Okay. <laughs> And you know, the more you know. She's a, but she was on the wagon trains. Are we there yet? <laughs> oh she's my god! She's one playing pack up your troubles in your old. Oh my god! The dysentery bag. again. Every day with the dysentery. <laughs> uh, is this good enough? <laughs> Fine, I'll keep walking. Wandered forty years in the desert. This ought to be a piece of cake. All right, I'm gonna pull the ripcord. I love you guys. Okay, good night. <laughs> good night. Love good you night. Thank you. Thank you. Happy New Year. That was code when we wanted to get rid of people that we didn't want to hang out with. <laughs>
<laughs> Rebecca Shekaleka. That's another story. People have heard about Rebecca Shekaleka. You heard about Rebecca Shekaleka on the Shockma episode. <laughs> The monster of Plaza Playhouse. Yeah, so where are we? Anyway, um, is, yeah. I'm with all the listeners right now. <laughs> you know what? It's our Christmas. We've had nog. By the way, I, I, I still use that when I want to get rid of people. Blanche says hi. Yeah. Oh, We're not actually going there, but. Because your wife knows. Your wife knows that joke. <laughs> oh, yes. Blanche said we need to be there right away. It's urgent. It's urgent. Blanche is up. Blanche is on fire. She's a damsel in distress who is right now at this moment on fire. I'm currently on fire at this moment. Molecules charring internally. <laughs> uh, I just think it's a shame that this movie has gotten lost because it's delightful. Not anymore. It, yeah, I. It's it's a charming little because it's only about an hour long. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it's. It's whimsical and dark at the same time. Yeah. You know, it feels like something. It, it, I was thinking about this on my, on my drive home today, trying to figure out exactly the best way to try to describe this to someone who's never seen it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like something Tim Burton would make, like a, like a Nightmare Before Christmas, except funnier. Exactly. <laughs> That's very close. Yeah. And it predated the whole kind of naughty animation thing, too. Yeah, we had heavy metal that was different. That kind of pornog- uh, pornographic animation. But this having cute little cartoon characters say bad words. was No, that wasn't a thing at the time. No, that was novel. Um, but no, the script is funny. It's, I mean, it's, it's not inappropriate for children. It goes too fast for children. Oh, Doug, how'd you do doing a big nightmare scene in the office? Oh, well, I lived that when I was temping. I was like, this, please. <laughs> Normally I'd be afraid, but I was like, oh, no. I totally uh, had Doug's going to be late again. He's on top of his desk and the staple removers are just barking. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Thursday at right management? <laughs> See, for me, with the nightmare factor, I'm like, well, these nightmares are very interesting, but where's the part where you're on stage and everybody knows their lines, you're about to go on and somehow I've never rehearsed and wear your pants. That nightmare I didn't see. That's the one I have all the time. Well, clearly that was too feeble. It was not, it was not horrific enough to That's be inside true. a nightmare bomb. I know, didn't get the screams. I, I can only, you know, I've, I've only ever seen this on the small screen because I had no idea about this movie when it got its very limited theatrical release. <laughs> I can only imagine that that scene is, is, is actually pretty frightening if it were on the big screen. Ralph and Mumford are looking for the spring or whatever the hell they're doing in an office, which is already nightmarish because everybody's frozen. And the way, the way the scene is set, it's not linear. <laughs> the way everything's set up, everything's kind of a... Jumble, yeah. Yeah, it's more of a collage of an office than an actual office. They accidentally trip a nightmare bomb and they wind up getting attacked. Because Mumford's fucking around again uh-huh. on a typewriter. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. He just wants to have a good time, Doug. <laughs> he can't talk. Leave him alone. Well, this is why we can't have nice things, Patrick. <laughs> we were saving that nightmare bomb for when your grandmother came over. He's got to go home. <laughs> <laughs> ah, again with the staple removers. Ugh, I'm going back to Florida. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's a relatively horrific scene. And I realized that afterwards. I'm like, oh shit, Doug's going to have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's standing in front of a staples like fuck you <laughs> you can't get me I, can't. I have a princess bathroom to protect me i have a bissel a bissel more uh more aesthetic distance than that but not okay. much well you never know with you doug you never know i like to think of you as a very delicate creature who could crumble at any moment yeah that's not bad how to wrap this up in a very strange well, very strange bow in a very strange bow yeah um well, is Maury McDonald here? Could she sing something? <laughs> we could just sing some Christmas carols on the way out. Oh, we could, but it's over, Doug. It's over. It's over. It's over. You, I can do one in Yiddish on the concertina. Oh, you and the fucking concertina. He played a concertina in the show. It's all he talks about now. He played in a cab, almost killed everybody. <laughs> it's true. We almost died. The cab driver singing along and clapping to the concertina. <laughs> In my mind, you're doing 90 miles an hour down. It's not like Martin. that a little yeah, bit. Clapping is not what I want for my cab driver while nope. we're in motion. Nope. <laughs> but Wait, it was Christmas, times? so if it was an accident, they'd just flown off like reindeer. I don't know. How many times do you get to hear Feliz Navidad in Yiddish, really? With a concertina that you're playing. I can do it. Ready? Concertina's right over there. No, I, 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 don't, I don't think I can say yes to if I'm ready for that. I think they've suffered enough. <laughs> Have they? I don't know. Maybe that's a Patreon perk. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> what did we do to deserve this, Santa? What did we do? Is Miss Sugar a gift? <laughs> yeah, so twice upon a time. It's one of my favorites. The screen. I'm going to have information about the screening here. I'll insert it later. It'll be great. So, uh, Steve, do you have any shows coming up after? Uh, uh, after uh, this, I will be doing the... I don't know what number it is, 22nd, 23rd, something like that. Festival of One Act Place, also at Theater 3. That should be sometime in April or so. In Port Jefferson, scenic Port Jefferson, Port Jefferson Long Island. Island. Where I grew up. Uh. <laughs> mm. Don't come if it's raining because we flood. <laughs> now, I, now this I know. <laughs> so the theater floods the basement. The, the, the basement of the theater does flood. It had about four feet of water that day. We're plotting. <laughs> okay, so here. Jeff, well, it comes to the patients when Steve Jeff says, so I was like, okay, here's, here's it. It's going to be Dickens meets Waterworld today. Just go with it. <laughs> well, here's the best part. When here's that, a canoe. Here's some water wings with Tiny Tim. Go. When that flood occurred, they were in the middle of having the auditions for the children's cast of A Christmas Carol. <laughs> oh, so you need to be able to sing. Act and swim. swim. <laughs> Did you bring your Christmas floaties? They they literally had to stop the auditions for the kids because the building was flooding. Amateurs. <laughs> but did Back you get the role? <laughs> well, apparently there were enough of them left, so. <laughs> Back in my day, I would have put together a Nestor Williams routine. <laughs> Everyone who survived made it into the show is now a crash it. <laughs> I feel really bad for the kids who get in the show and they're not part of the Cratchit family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go festoon this. Because, like, it's like, who are you? I'm child on Christmas morning. What the hell does that mean? Oh, yeah, I, get, I go and get the, the polterer when, 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 you know, when Scrooge wants to send the turkey. Whoa, Walker! You made the world as big as me! <laughs> Walker! 
<laughs> you what? The ones as big as my sister that washed away in the flood. Just you know, Patrick, I played that role as well. As well as young Scrooge. As the goose in the window? <laughs> you played the goose in the window? <laughs> you know what? I don't want to correct you because that's more fun. I danced the role of the goose in the window. <laughs> I held, I held two drumsticks. <laughs> they had castanets at the end of them. Who gave the duck a concertina? <laughs> Pack up your troubles in your old kid bag and smile, smile. We broke the show. I can't. We broke show. it. Honey, the show's been broken since day one. The show got broken. And then I spent 72 hours trying to fix it. <laughs> So no, no, it's going to go down like the last of Sheila. <laughs> this is what gets me entertainment weekly. It's the fact that anything comes out. <laughs> I am the laxative that makes the show happen. I am Miralax. Well, good luck with this one. <laughs> yeah, this one's going to be a chore. But you know what? It's my goddamn Christmas show. It's a labor of love. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I need an epidural. <laughs> okay thank you oh doug what do you have anything coming up how long are you in town for what's going on um i'm in town uh, as far as i know infinitely uh <laughs> now that show's done um business role play gigs which i love and uh vacation to the bahamas Ooh. my sister-in-law's turning 50 and we're going on a cruise and you'll be bringing your emotional support concertina. I can't. <laughs> Pack up your troubles in your old kid bag. You have to, you have to take that out. Of, you better start learning, learning Bob Marley on the concertina now. Because <laughs> I'm a Buffalo Goyam. <laughs> I'm not from Buffalo, nor am I a Goyam. <laughs> well, well, you can sing it about Sean then. Good point. Huh? Actually, he's technically Jewish. The rabbi by, that by injection. Da, 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 kick. Shut up. The the, um, the rabbi who married us thrilled to marry two men, but Sean had to be Jewish. And his maternal grandmother landed in the Midwest around the time of the orphan trains, and looks like every Jewish woman in New York City. Good enough, the rabbi. Good enough for us. Okay. Okay. Now you know. Okay. <laughs> And you know, the more you know. She's a, but she was on the wagon trains. Are we there yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! She's one playing pack up your troubles in your old. Oh my god! The dysentery bag. again. Every day with the dysentery. <laughs> uh, is this good enough? <laughs> Fine, I'll keep walking. Wandered forty years in the desert. This ought to be a piece of cake. All right, I'm gonna pull the ripcord. I love you guys. Okay, good night. <laughs> good night. Love good you night. Thank you. Thank you. Happy New Year. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Think of me. So that, my beautiful screamers, is the joys, the wonders, and the mysteries of Twice Upon a Time. Now, you might be wondering, but hey, what was the Mishigash actually about if it wasn't what you thought it was about? Well, it turns out it was very simple. Lucasfilm was contracted to do a family-friendly film. It had to be 100% family-friendly. Fine. 
So when that other director got all antsy and went back and recorded another version of it, which was more adult, technically that was fine. But when that version aired by mistake on HBO, they were now in violation of their contract. And it caused a whole bunch of further Michigash legal stuff. They got sued. It was bad. The movie got buried. End of story. Not very glamorous, not very sexy, but that is the story of the Michigash and why up until recently, Twice Upon a Time was not available. Of course, you can now get it fully restored in both PG and PG-13 versions on Amazon.com. Absolutely worth it. I love it. It's just so wonderful, and I hope you've enjoyed it. And I hope that you will be attending one of the screenings that we will be doing in the weekend of January 26th. There will be several. The Marvelous Usherettes will be on hand, so there will be multiple screening times, hopefully. And if you've got a preference of Friday evening, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, please write me, let me know. Well, how do you do that, Patrick? Well, you can get in contact with me by picking up your phone and dialing 917-720-2047. Or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And of course, that's Queens with a Z. You can find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens where horror gets gay. I'm on Twitter at Scream Queens and I'm on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. So there were some voicemails this week, but of course, this show has been so monumental to get out to as it is. I'm just going to have to pass them off until next time. What are we doing next time, Daddy? Well, I'll tell you. Next time, we're going to be doing the Japanese movie Hausu, otherwise known as House, and Jeff from the Skewered Universe podcast will be here, and it will be fabulous. Also, Women in Horror Month is coming up. As you know, February is Women in Horror Month. And one thing I definitely have scheduled, I've got those fabulous gals who were here to talk about the Bad Seed last year, and that's Jess Gata and Alyssa Simon. They'll be here to talk about the Polish killer mermaid film, The Lure, and also to promote their movie, which will be out on DVD, their movie that's coming out right now, The Moose Head Over the Mantle, and that's going to be fantastic. So that's one half of Women in Horror Month. Women in Horror Month. But I would like to know, what do you want me to do for the other show? What women power film, what women directed, written, film would you like me to cover let me know you have the information let's do it so i am worn out this episode has been an absolute bear let's get out i hope you've enjoyed it i hope that it has piqued your interest in twice upon a time and if it has you know where to find it and you know where the screenings are and if it hasn't i'm sorry i'm sorry but these things when they come up i just have to get them out of my system okay all right so until next time My beautiful, beautiful screamers continue to make the world a creepier place. And never, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, baby. Or the fairy godmother's going to kick your ass. It is a night to mess with fairy godmothers. God, that felt good. All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.